0: It's a good reminder to uh, why we give, things like this. I also want to tell you guys, we'll go ahead and take offering now. This is, we're gonna take up um, our regular tithes and offerings. Let me first tell you, we didn't know the elders would put together a special offering. We're really grateful for that, but we're just, it is an honor of a lifetime to actually uh, pastor here. So I just want to say thank you for letting us pastor here. Uh, My mic feels a little hot. Is there any way you could, you got it? Great, Um, thank you. As we take up an offering, I want to let you know, one of the things that we did this last weekend was we were at Edison Elementary with our donut trailer. You may not know it, but your church has a food truck, and it's a donut trailer, and it was awesome. Ryan came in and saved the day. We had, uh, it was, I'm telling you this, um, intentionally as we're doing offerings. I want to share with you what were things that were given to This is actually how. One of the kindergarten classes raises most of their money, if not all their money, for educational supplies, scholarshiping, uh, field trips, those sorts of things. And so every two donuts raised a dollar and we raised hundreds of dollars for their class, which is really incredible. That's, kudos to you guys for the church, it's really great. And uh, w- so many donuts, uh, I went and bought the supplies and then when we were there, we're going, me and Caleb, we're going, this is not enough supplies. We call Ryan, we said, Ryan, we need you to buy more supplies. So he we, he bought out one entire store with their biscuits, right? And then I bought out another store with their biscuits and I had to leave in the middle of serving to buy out another. We bought out three local stores of all their biscuits in order to serve donuts uh, there. And what ends up happening um, is people ask Ryan, we're back there cooking, Ryan's taking orders. People ask him, what is this? And I hear him tell him, this is a church, we're a church. So I want you to know, there's a big win when people who don't come to church aren't part of church smile in the presence of church. That's a big deal. And so kudos to you guys. Uh, Really thankful for you. Uh, We're going to go ahead and we're going to throw the scripture verse up, but I'm going to read it to you. I'm actually going to read it to you this time. We're not going to sit and meditate on it, Um, but I want to pray over what we're going to talk about and then we'll jump right in. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, the time you've given us. Thank you lord for all the generosity of your people we're so grateful and lord we pray for the kindergarten class miss novak and miss mcsherry for their class that the money was raised for we ask lord that you would bless the students may they learn and learn and learn may they grow up lord um, and use what they've learned in kindergarten for your glory we pray for that lord i ask that you will everything that we're doing today we would be present so god may it not be me that's coming up here with something rehearsed, but maybe the spirit that through preparation and through the moment that we would learn from you. We pray for that, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me uh, read this first scripture to you. We're doing this series called Just Your Average Joe. And in Just Your Average Joe, we're doing life lessons from the Josephs in the Bible and the Josephines in the Bible. But we're, you know, it just flows more when you say Just Your Average Joe, because that's actually the saying. So uh, we're going to read this. And um, this is going to be the springboard for what we talk about, okay? So I want you, as we're reading, ask the Lord two questions. Open my heart to what you would say and what would you want me to do, okay? What is God telling you and what would you do about it? Therefore, therefore, this is actually after, so anytime there's a word, therefore, you want to ask yourself what's it there for, okay? It's just a good rule of thumb. This is after, it's kind of morbid, after Judas dies, okay? After Judas dies, we jump right in, it says, therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. So there were 12 disciples, and these 12 disciples, if, if one of them goes, and, dies, goes and, and kills himself, okay, his name's Judas, we're not gonna do a case study on this, extremely depressing, but there was a man who did that. So there's 12, they want there to be 12, okay? So they said, uh, it's necessary to choose one, there were a little over 70 people who followed Jesus pretty closely that weren't considered the 12, and they're picking from the 70 who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning with John's baptism. So from the moment Jesus gets baptized, they're saying, we want, let's find one of the followers to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, the ascension, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So imagine if you're one that's being chosen. Okay, so let's go to the next verse. So they nominated two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, or Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Okay, so there's Joseph. Now this is one verse about this man named Joseph. You may have not known that there's another Joseph in the Bible. There's actually more than the four we've talked about. This is the fourth. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. It's pretty, pretty like harsh, but you, you understand what it's saying, right? Like we want to replace this with someone who's following Jesus and they're saying, Lord, which one would you choose? So nowadays there might be an election. Maybe we go, okay, we're it we're gonna elect the elders, or we're gonna t- not elect the elders. We're gonna present the elders, and which ones do you feel comfortable with these? There might be something like that. Depending on what kind of church you've grown in, some churches are congregationally led, where it's like a massive vote, and there's campaigns going on in the lobby. If you don't believe me, I, I know these churches, okay, and they're campaigning for different. Some churches are like that. Some churches they vote b- ballots, secret ballots. This one they just said, hey. We're just going to leave it up to the Lord. They prayed, then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. That's it. That's all we know about that Joseph. Now here's what's interesting about this, this Just Your Average Joe series, okay? In Just Your Average Joe, when you learn about a Joseph like this, you actually learn there's this man named Joseph who is qualified has the character, has been following Jesus, um, and and he doesn't get chosen. Now what I think what happen nowadays is probably something like this. I actually think nowadays there would be like, I don't know, an Instagram if you were, Matthias, okay? There's an Instagram of like, praise the Lord, I've been chosen, okay? I've been cho- I'm have i so honored to serve, I'm so grateful for this, and a selfie with the eleven disciples behind you, you know what I'm saying? And you go, no I don't, well you might not have an Instagram, but for, <laughs> for most people, they're taking a selfie. And maybe for Joseph, maybe Joseph was like, would be tweeting or Facebooking, whatever it is. You know, I know the Lord has a plan for me, but then like secretly we know what that means, right? You have a good personality. That kind of thing, right? <laughs> so the whole deal, this whole entire deal brings up a point that actually every one of us deals with. And I would, I would go so far as to say This story, if you can put yourself in this story, if you can actually say, what would it be like, what would it be like, it's not too hard for you to do. And even if you don't follow Jesus, even if you say, I've been following Jesus all my life, I just started, or like, I don't follow Jesus at all, wherever you're at, this is actually, this is gonna apply to you. If you, if you put yourself in this story, is there ever a time in your life where you're up for a promotion, is there a time in your life you're up for, you wanted that relationship and then that other person got that relationship, you know, and you like still stalk the person on social media hoping that the, like they got in a car wreck. I don't know what you think, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's still, is there ever time you are racing someone, you're, you're trying to get to a better end than that other person. Is there ever a time that that happened? It's competition, it's what we would call comparison comparing yourself. What you don't find here is that actual narrative. What we do know is church history shows us out of these extra biblical texts, so these texts that are not in the Bible but tell us about history, is that um, Joseph here goes off to, to go, he still follows Jesus, he's still a devoted follower of Jesus and still a devoted disciple, making disciples, because here's the thing, someone who's going to be the top two is not going to be the type of person that says, I didn't make it, they didn't choose me, the lot didn't follow me, I'm out, I'm depressed, I quit. That's not that type of person. This is the type of person who goes, oh, this is what the Lord has for Matthias. He must have something different for me. He must have something different. Comparison is a really, really big deal. In fact, we could be playful about comparison, we will, but I want to say this, and and this is what we're going to talk about today. When comparison begins, contentment ends. It's the end of the story. The scriptures tells us godliness with contentment is of great gain, which means in the highest highs and the lowest lows, what we just sung about, means in the different places when we can be content with God, if we have much or we have little, if we can be content with God, this is of great gain. Great gain. But the way to kill contentment is actual comparison. Comparison is, although we talk about it and play about it and all this stuff, it is running through our culture, and I don't think the church has resisted comparison at all. I think of anything, we do compare and we participate, and we call it like like a brotherly competition, right? We're like, it's just making us better. It's not, comparison doesn't make you better. Celebrating people and learning from people makes you better. Comparison doesn't make you better. So this entire text is the springboard into what we'll just talk about. It's the trap of comparison. This whole idea is a trap, okay? And I will, I will go as far as to say, I think comparison is the quickest way to kill a personal calling. That if we believe, yeah, God has a unique purpose for each one of us. If we believe this, or we talk about this, or even if you don't believe it, and you think, well, maybe it's true. If God was real, he would have a, the quickest way to, to kill that whole thing is just to start comparing yourself. Scripture um, talks about, this as a race. It talks about as if we're in a race, okay? That we're in a race that is set before you. There's a specific race. Let me put it this way. uh, In Denver, when we lived in Texas, this was not true. Not a whole lot of people like to run in Texas, okay? Uh, In Denver though, people like to run. How many of you like to run? You enjoy running? Man, I am so proud of you, okay? (laughs) Caitlin Eggman, she uh, ran for um, a, a specific village in Rwanda. Uh, yes. Yeah. She's gonna share more details in two Sundays about this, but you ran how many miles? 30. 32 miles, okay. 32 miles to raise money that, by the way, we're gonna participate in in two weeks to raise money. To to no, 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 we're not gonna run the 32 miles, no. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. Yeah, we didn't. You can, it's up to you, okay? But I'm gonna go I'm gonna do the logistics behind the scene, okay? So but to raise money for clean water. And uh, some of you love running. Some of you love running, some of you don't like running, how many of you don't like running? Just be honest, okay? I'm there. Okay? I it's like I I like to like the idea of liking running, (laughs) okay? But but it's hard. So the times that I do get to the gym, which when you have two kids and we're like having to trade off and then we're like, you want to go to the gym or should we catch up on our day? You know, you're like, I don't know, let's catch up on our day, I just love you more and I love—whatever the excuse is, okay? But when we do, if I'm on the treadmill, here's a trick I do, I I promise you will judge me on this, but here's the trick I do. When I'm on a treadmill, I'm running on the treadmill and I think, I got this. I've been running for 30 minutes, or whatever it is, and I look down and I'm three minutes in, okay? You know the feeling, and you're going, oh my goodness, I'm I'm not gonna make it 30 minutes. And I'm, you're chugging water, and you're just thinking, I'm not gonna, here's what I do. I look to the person next to me, and I go, I'm racing them, okay? They don't have any idea that I'm doing this. They have no idea, they're a sweet, grandma who's walking and is faithful to this thing, right? And I'm going, I can beat her. And so I'm, I'm on, and my whole goal when I'm on the treadmill now is actually to go, I just have to stay on longer than they stay on or to 30 minutes, okay? This is my whole goal. So in my mind, I transformed the gym into a stadium. So I'm telling you, this is what I do. This is how, whatever you do, you can do self-talk, you can act like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I just act like I'm racing a grandma, okay? So this is, I'm racing on a treadmill and if I win, it's like, I don't know, I just finish my 30 minutes, okay? There's no big prize or whatever, or I just try to run past with it. This is what I do. This is a trick that I play with myself. When in Scripture, it talks about, Jesus actually said, there's a, or in Hebrews it says, there's a race set before you, run your race, okay? Run your race. It's not talking about anybody else's race. Your race, Your lane, put your foot in front of your other foot. Okay, this is your race. And set your eyes on Jesus. But what we tend to do is we're running and we go to the left and we look to the right and we look around and we're looking and we're actually going, what's their race like? What's their lane like? Man, what would it be like to be in their shoes? You know what I'm talking about? And what that ends up doing is you're like on a treadmill. You think you're running somewhere and then you think you're racing someone and before you know it, the whole thing's over and you've gone nowhere. All that energy spent going nowhere. Run your race. Joseph, run your race. It was not to be in the 12, part of the 12 disciples, but that was the race of Matthias. But Joseph, run your race. And to you, I don't know about you, but looking to the left and comparing Whatever it would be, it'd be a relationship. You go, I I want someone that pretty. That's running someone else's race, that's not your race. Looking to the right and going, I deserve that promotion, right? Or I deserve that, I just deserve that thing. That's their race, that's not your, I think the whole time Jesus is going, hey, hey, eyes on me, this is your lane, okay? I gave you a lane, I didn't get, don't run their race. And the way, if you've ever run in track before, what you'll know is if you're running, the quickest way to trip up is what? By looking to your left or your right. You've got to keep your eyes forward. What's incredible about this passage is the narrative doesn't continue with the comparison pity party. What it continues with is just with the disciples and then the greater church and what they're accomplishing. And we know Joseph was part of that greater church because of the proximity he was to the disciples. Then he branched off and he went and started other churches. He ran his race. He never quit. So where comparison begins is where contentment ends. Okay? Let's go ahead and read um, a passage in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We do not dare to classify, this is Paul talking, he's talking to the church in Corinth, which if you've not never read 1 and 2 Corinthians, I would encourage you. Some people call it church gone wild. They're just, it's just some parts are entertaining, some parts are This is a very entertaining text, so it's okay to read the Bible and catch on the humor. We do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. So I read this, and I know the people. I, I, actually, I actually know the people. I have a personal relationship with them. Of people that commend themselves publicly are very, ex- and they do it in the hashtag humble brag way, okay, that they do this. And Paul's going, we don't dare, I mean, this has been going on for so long, we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves, he's not even, they're not even measuring themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, (laughs) okay, so it's like me going, I don't know, I'm better than I was yesterday, right? I'm just comparing myself to my old self. They're not wise. That word can mean brilliant or it can mean, um, wise or it could mean smart I mean what are just saying that they're not wise there's no wisdom in them we however will not boast beyond proper limits but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us a sphere that also includes you so listen when he's talking about what we will boast in and he'll actually say but we only boast in the Lord in this sphere he's saying my lane I'm not going to compare myself to them my lane and then let's continue for we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's lane. I mean, territory. Someone else's territory. But let the one who boasts boasts in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. I feel like an average Joe because I compare myself. Nothing makes me feel more average than playing the comparison game because I'm not where I want to be and I'm constantly not where I want to be. Here's the problem with comparison. Comparison will either make you p- feel superior or inferior. It cannot do anything else. It will do one of the other. It'll make you feel superior because you'll say, well, I'm more fit than that person is. Or you'd say, I'm, I make more money than that person does. Or I do whatever it would be. Or I have a closer walk with Jesus than that person does. Or my church attendance is at, is, I'm, I've been here three out of four Sundays. And they've been here two, whatever you do, okay? That's... Superior, superiority, and now you're boasting. Inferiority is where it just crushes you and you go, I'm not as good, I'll never be as good. And this text, Paul walks us through some things that when we think comparison, we're running the race and we look to the left or the right, what God's calling us to do. So that's what I wanna talk about, is actually when we're in this race and you feel average and you compare and you need to think in your sphere what you compare yourself to, okay? In your sphere, what do you compare yourself to? Who do you compare yourself to? Where do you wish you were? And why do you think that way? Is it because God's calling you for it or because the person next door is that? Okay, so when you look to the left or the right, I'm gonna talk about what that does to us, and then we're gonna just realign our eyes. If the entire church could operate in their lane, God would accomplish more in the neighborhood and city than you could ever imagine. You know, the worship team up here today, Normally, they have what's called in-ear monitors, okay? If you're a musician, you've probably heard that term and used them before, but it just actually has a beat. It has a rhythm going on. So there's like a click track that's going on the whole time that you don't hear, and they normally have that going in, and then someone switches it. I don't know, is it usually you, Lisa, that switches it? Someone switches it, and then it goes to the next song, okay? So, but what happened tonight is their in-ear monitors weren't working, and what they had to do was they actually had to listen to each other and just know, I'm in my lane, I play my instrument, I know this song, and then it flows, okay? But you didn't know that, because they're so good at what they do, okay? You didn't know that that's what they're doing, but they didn't have their in-ear monitors. And when we're, as a church, if we're running our lane, if you're staying in your lane, the world will actually see an orchestra of heaven. The world will see the body of Christ, the feet of Christ moving, and the hands of Christ moving, and they'll see the whole thing, because you're staying in your lane. But the minute we start comparing, the minute we fall into the trap of comparison, what you'll find is you'll ask questions like, I don't even know if I'm called, I don't know if I'm chosen, has God forgotten about me? Because you're looking at everybody else except your eyes on Jesus. So this is what we'll talk about first. While you are concerned with their success, this is you looking to the left or the right. Can you throw this up there? While you are concerned with their success, God is concerned about your assignment. While you're concerned with their success, God's concerned about your assignment. This is actually in verses 12 and 13 when he's saying, you know, they, they're going to compare themselves with themselves. Remember this? He's going on and on. And then he actually says, but for us, we're limited to our sphere of influence. We know our sphere of influence. Kay? We know our lane. When I look and I'm concerned with their success, someone else, and I'm going, yeah, but their just better, or I make myself the victim, right, in order to justify why I'm not where they're at, whatever, however you do this. um, The whole time, we're not aligning ourselves with, God, have you given me an assignment? Have you given me an assignment? Is there something you've asked me to do? There's a parable Jesus tells. Parables are stories, and um, they're not true stories, but they're stories, and they have so even if you've heard it preached that parables have like nine points, ten points, really they have like one point, okay? Like Jesus is getting to one thing. He tells this parable of the talents is what it's called. It's about this master who gives talents to his servants. And he says, I'm gonna come back. And, and the scripture says, after a while, which the word used there t- t- teaches us after a lifetime actually, the master comes back and he gave one of his servants, he gave five talents. And he tells them, or, and then the, the servant said, the, the talents that you entrusted with me, I've multiplied to 10. And the master says, great, you can share in my happiness and my joy. And then he gave another person two talents. And the person says, the talents that you entrusted to me, the two talents, I've multiplied to four. And uh, the master says, great, you can share in my joy, you can share in my happiness. But then there was a third person, servant that Jesus gave one talent to. Now I want you to notice there was actually no rebuking of the person who had multiplied it into four talents and not ten. It's not like, you idiot, why didn't you follow the person who did ten? You know, it's not like that. It was they had two, and they have multiplied it. They followed their assignment. Now there's one who had one. And you would think that the person with one talent, it was the easiest thing to do to make one two, okay? You would think this. But the person says, instead of saying what the other two, the other two said, you've entrusted us. You've entrusted us. You've entrusted us. Instead of saying that, this is what they said. I know you're a hard man to work for. And then they just kind of go after the character of the master and they say, so I've buried one and kept it hidden and preserved it. And um, the master calls them wicked is wrong. It's wrong to live a life following Jesus where you're just preserving what God's given you. It is to be used as an assi- You have an assignment before the Lord, right? And he goes, it's wrong. And I've, I've read that story and I've thought, you know what would be interesting is, actually, I wonder sometimes if the, if the servant were to go, master, I tried to invest the one talent, but I, I, it didn't work. I don't think the same response would have been from the master, just by trying. I think so often, the assignment, we go, I don't have the same assignment as the person with ten talents, I don't, I don't do the same things, I don't have the same, whatever, and we go, therefore, I'll just live like this, Average Joe. But the lesson from Average Joe is, no, no, he just didn't have the same assignment as Matthias. Um... Our assignment is, is a very specific one. I'll tell you how easily comparison comes, okay? Let me show you this picture. This is our family. We dressed up for Halloween, okay? I want you to, I want to point out to you Brennan. She's the youngest one who is, she's so proud of her Baymax suit, okay? Um, th- we are actually the, the heroes from Big Hero 6. Have you ever seen that movie? No? Okay. Well, you guys need to live. This is, we... It's like a not a well-known Disney movie. So this is us at the fall festival. Let's go to the next picture. This is who we're trying to imitate. Can you go back to ours real quick? You see how close we got? Okay, you can see this, and then back to. Okay, you see. So we're trying to imitate. I I was I I was really proud of us, and then I saw this picture on um, like Instagram. Go to the next one, the Transformer kids. You you see what they did where this kid can turn into a car and into a transformer. You see that? You see at the bottom right the plane, the car, and the car. They stand up and they turn into transformers. So here's what happened. I'm looking at this and I go this is crazy. How do I do that? I'm going why did I only have, I just had like three red dots on mine. When do I need to start to do that? And immediately as something as stupid as a Halloween costume, immediately I'm going I could have done, like, better than them. I should have done better because I'm comparing myself. And then I start doing this. I go, yeah, but those parents, they probably have more time on their hands. And then I immediately play victim, right? So I say this jokingly, but I'll let you know. Personally, personally, if I'm not careful, what will happen is I'll be running the race that God has called me to, the assignment he's called me to. And on a healthy day, I'm looking at Jesus and I'm running this race. If I'm not careful, I look to the left And I go, well, man, they, like, they have lights and fog in their church. Now, I know how you guys would respond if I had fog in the church, right? Okay. Uh, But I'm going, which, by the way, side note, I actually have a fog machine in our garage someone gave to us when we planted the church, but we've obviously never pulled it out. I won't pull it out, okay? (laughs) I won't pull it out. But if I do, I'm joking if I do. But if I walk through that door through fog, just like, (laughs) I know, I want to so bad. Okay. So, anyways, I'm... I see this and I go, if on an on a unhealthy day. I'll also look to the right and I'll go, well, well now they've, they've done this with their ministry or they've done this. And here's what I'll, I'll just admit to you, here's what I know God's called me to. I know that for some reason in my heart there's a very sensitive spot for the person who doubts and asks questions. Very sensitive spot in my heart. And when questions are asked, my heart just comes alive with the love of Jesus. It doesn't scare me. I don't know why. It just happens, okay? I know that that happens, and so I know what God's called me to, it, at, like is to run a race alongside you guys to say, hey, let's together wrestle with God and reach the lost, reach our community. All these. I know he's called me to this. I know this is what he's called me to. I gotta run this race. I know, Uh, For someone like Caitlin, her heart is sensitive, highly sensitive with missions in a really healthy way. And so when she goes running, it's not because she's like, I have nothing else to do. No, she's actually running a very spiritual race to raise money. I know with Hannah, uh, where is Hannah? I know with Hannah, when she's leading Mission and Justice. I know with Bo, when he's leading the Alpha group, his heart is very sensitive to what it would mean to follow Jesus. I know this. And it's running the race of the task set before. So here's my question. If you were to stop looking to the left or the right, could you answer the question, what is God asking you to do? What is the assignment? What is the lane you're asked to run in? Because what is continually happening in your life is the Joseph Matthias narrative. You go, I was up for that thing again, and then the other person got it. But I'm telling you, Joseph didn't quit. He ran his race. He was in his lane. Could you answer the question, if it was asked to you, what's your assignment? What's the assignment for your life? Okay? Here's the second thing in the text. While you're concerned, or while we are impressed by others, God needs to work among us. This is verses 14 and 15. While we're impressed by others, God needs to work among us. W- the people you're impressed with do not have it all going on. Okay? i just be honest with you. <laughs> God needs to work among you and among me. I remember uh, one time, this is a funny story. I was speaking in Austin at a conference and there was a person I was speaking with that actually I was pretty impressed with this person. And I thought, oh, this is gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to meet this person and we'd have dinner together and all this stuff. And I'm at the hotel and I go, well, where are they? I mean, was I stalking them? Maybe a little, you know, I'm like, well, where are they? And the person who booked the hotel, they said, oh, They actually need their own hotel, and they need their own green room, and they need, I mean, they're going on and on. I'm going, why, why do they need all this stuff? And uh, I found out, I'm not going to tell you who it is, okay, but I found out they actually have a lot of family drama that they know comes up when this person travels, so they have to handle it in the isolation of an entire hotel, all this stuff. And I go, well, man, I, their life isn't what I thought it was, right? that looking at other per- people's highlight reel and comparing it with your behind the scenes is really unhealthy. God needs to do a work among us. He needs to work among us. He needs to work with you and your sphere, your lane. He needs to work right now, actually, with you. He doesn't need to do the person that you're impressed with that you look at. Now, if you look up to someone, you read their books, and this is healthy. That's healthy. That's called learning, okay? And that's called growing. Don't sit there. Proverbs says a fool sits there with their hands folded. Don't sit there and do that. But the person who just compares... And say, I'm so impressed with this person. And it's such a distraction from what God's wanting you to do. What you're allowing to happen is the person you're impressed with is calling you to their lane, and you're tripping up the whole way, and then you're frustrated because you can't get in it and you can't run like them. And the whole time, God's going, I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't ask you to do that. That wasn't for you. They don't have it all going on. There's something you go, they look so good yeah, but I don't know what it's like on the inside of their heart. You go, they have such a good heart. Well, you don't know what it's like to live the life they have, nor were you called to that life. You are called to a lane. Now, all of scripture shows us this. There's a specific lane you're called to. Don't compare. And here's the last thing. While we seek approval, God is approving those who seek Him. This is pretty evident in verses 17 and 18. So this is where it says that men are seeking to be commended, but God is commending. He's approving people. He's, uh, there, p- people are seeking to gain the approval of others, but God is com- doing the approval and the commending. While we seek approval, God is approving those who seek him. Comparison, comparison is such an ugly trap that is pervasive throughout our entire culture right now. And it does away with the idea that we're uniquely made and that we have a unique calling, and it does away with the idea that God is specifically for you, okay? Is he for the community? For sure he's for the community. And we usually talk in a communal sense, but what I'm gonna do for a second is to say, he's specifically for you. He's specifically for you. So for those of you who love running, running is probably better when you're with someone. For those of you who don't love running, running is is tolerable when you're with someone. You know what I'm saying? imagine that jesus is calling you forward and running with you at the same time there's this imagery that paul sets forth that we're running the race that's set before us with our eyes fixed on jesus and he's the one who's calling us forward but when we seek the approval of men it's a big big topic on comparison When we seek the approval of men and women seek the approval of women or men seek the approval of women and women seek the approval of men when this happens we're not actually running for the one who's called us because here's, here's the reality. God has already called you. Now you may say, what is that? You may say it's not clear and all this stuff. But before the foundation of the world, he's chosen you is what Ephesians tells us. Before the foundation of the world, he's chosen you. And you can go through the prophets and Jeremiah, how he says that while he was in his mother's womb, God, or, uh, that God knows the plan that he has for him, plans to prosper. The psalmist who said God knit him together in his mother's womb. You can go through all this. Uh, but, but the reality is all of Scripture is telling us this. Don't compare. The approval of men is actually not approval at all. It's the biggest distraction. It's the biggest comparison game. And here's the cause for our comparison. This is what I'd say. So if you're taking notes, write these two things down, okay? One, we don't accept the assignment God has for us This is the cause. We don't accept the assignment God has for us. If God were to tell you today, if he looked at you in the eyes and he said, son or daughter, I want you to, and then fill in the blank. It's probably the thing that breaks your heart or that makes you really, really, really mad. Okay? You fill in the blank. I want you to do this. Son or daughter, I want you to do this. And then he tells you, hold on to these words. Don't compare. The person you've been looking at, that's their lane. I actually called them to that. I need them to do that. Don't compare. I need you to do this. What would you do? Would that be enough for you if he did? And I would say that's possible. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But he's called, and we don't accept that assignment. What we want is actually the assignment of the other person. God, I want to do this. And he goes, but I've, I've called you I've called you to do this. Uh, On Saturday was Piper's birthday, or birthday party. Her actual birthday's tomorrow. And Lisa and I talk often, but it's really evident. Piper is running around playing with all her friends, and then Brennan is the adventurer. She's like climbing, and like, I mean, she's making us real nervous the entire party. She's going really high in the play set, and then, uh, I mean, very different personalities, right? I want you to imagine if, as the dad, if I said, hey, I want you both to do the exact same thing with your life. Do the same. I know you're built different. I know you have different talents and interests. I know that all this stuff. I know you're running at a different pace. One of you likes reading more than the other, but the other one really likes adventures more than the other. But I I don't care. I just want you to do the exact same thing, all right, and go. Neither of them would actually do well at the thing I'm calling them to. But if, as a dad, I go, Brennan, I want you to pursue this because I can see an interest in you in doing that. I want you to pursue this. And I'm encouraging her the whole way and I'm doing a a very personal approach. And then to Piper, I go, Piper, I know that you're loving piano right now. Why don't we just, let's practice the piano regularly. Let's get a keyboard, let's do that. And I do, and now what's happening is they both are running in their lanes. And it's my job actually to make sure that they do that. And scripture says, Jesus says, how much greater is your heavenly father when you ask for things than any of the earthly fathers. And if you're here and you said, what's my assignment? I just compare myself to people all the time, all the time. I compare relationships, I I compare parenting. If you're a parent, I compare friendships, I compare clothes all the time. And you go, what's the, and what I'd say is this, ask him, dad, father, what's my role? So that's one of the reasons we compare, here's the other. We don't accept our identity in God. So one has to do with our assignment, what we do. The other one has to do with our identity, who we are. So we work all of our lives that our behavior would determine our identity, but that's not what the gospels talk about. The gospels show us it's the identity that informs our behavior and then conforms our desires. This is kind of how the gospels talk. If, your identi- if you go, I don't know if I'm a son or daughter of God. I don't know if I'm in Christ. I would encourage you, you. You, It's like putting your faith in Him and walking with Him and by faith believing that this has done something to you. Knowing that this has done and living with the conformed heart that this has done something. Um, and now we're going to take some time to respond because the comparison. I talked to someone earlier. I said comparison is a seems like a playful thing but it is actually so serious comparing ourselves to other is the is the biggest way to squash your personal calling and accomplishment for the Lord in this life Lisa if you'll come up and tell you guys a story is a confession Um, it's embarrassing to tell you but here it goes when the the missions team we had a missions team that came here last summer and the missions team here's what happened this is b- big in, in uh it it ended up being very encouraging, but the mission team we had a service uh Jay pathick, who's a pastor in the city and with our neighborhood city collective he he taught their service, so we had like this intimate service with about thirty people and and one of the one of the student leaders and by the way, this like group is so hip and all this stuff, and I don't usually compare myself to teenagers, but I started to you know <laughs> i'm like. I'm like, oh man, you're so cool. But one of, the, one of the student leaders came up to me and he was crying in the service. And I said, I said, you okay? And he said, yeah. He says this. He goes, you know, I just feel like the Lord's doing a work in me. And I said, yeah, tell me about it. He said, well, I usually compare myself like to pastors and preachers and I look to what they're wearing and how cool they are and all stuff. And he goes, and then I look at you. That's <laughs> what so he says. He says, I look at you and I go, he, he still loves Jesus. And I'm going, bro, this is me trying. This is actually, this is me at a youth service, okay? I, I'm trying here, and I, I'm sitting there going, ah, oh, man, my feelings are hurt. But it's, and he, you know, he's crying. So this is a spiritual moment for him. I don't want to be like, you jerk. I'm like, I'm, and I go home, and Lisa tells me, you actually need to throw those shorts away. That's a true story. This, I go, I thought, I thought, whatever. Um, but the highest compliment someone could could um, give me is, but you actually love Jesus. Your eyes are set on Jesus. Now on healthy days, they're set on Jesus. On unhealthy days, I don't, I don't really compare myself to the way people dress, but I have other comparison games I play. I'm a middle child, so all my life I've compared myself. Am I, how, how much better is my brother than this? Can I beat him? I, I remember memorizing the presidents before him, all the presidents, right? Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, J.Q. Adams, Jackson, Burr, and Harrison, Tyler, Polk, t- I could go through the list, okay? I memorized all the presidents, and I go, gotcha. And then he memorized them, like, two hours later. And I go, I'm just inferior again. But then I have a little brother, and I go, I can, I can, like, I still beat up my little brother, but now he's, like, six foot two. And I'm going, I don't know. So I'm a middle child. But then, for real, there are things I compare myself to. People, situations, and the whole time, I think what this leader is right is, hey, but you still love Jesus. And it just kind of knocks you out of the comparison game onto the eyes of Jesus. At the end of the day, guys, I, I just want to see Jesus in front of me. I'm not gonna be held accountable for how the person next to me ran on either side. I'm gonna be held accountable to, did you listen to Jesus? Were your eyes on him? Were your eyes on him? What that means is I may live my life feeling like I have one talent in a world of five making 10. You hear me? but I do not, I do not have to be like them, nor am I called to be like them. I'm called not to bury that and I'm called to pursue. Nothing will make you feel more average and what you learn from this average Joe, from Joseph, is this narrative will keep going. Someone else will come in line and you'll go, is it me or them, me or them, me or them? And that's not the question. Is your assignment, is your next step gonna be that or that? And you follow Jesus. And if God was overcasting lots, okay, he's definitely over guiding you when it comes to you submitting your life to him. Man makes plans in his heart, but the Lord directs his steps. I know you're making plans right now, but the steps are being directed. Steps are being directed. Don't compare your, are their highlight reel with your behind the scenes? It's not even fair to you. My prayer all week has been, God, we, we actually need to repent as a church. We need to be delivered. This game we play all the time of comparison is one of the biggest reasons we don't see you. We need to repent of this. So we're gonna pray together and we're gonna seek prayer. Uh, let's go over the three things we're gonna pray about. Let's go to the first one if you can. Do you have trouble accepting your next steps because you wish you were in someone else's shoes? Now this is asking for honesty that you go yes i literally i'm always wishing (laughs) i'm in someone else's shoes okay um you need your shoes for your next step you need to put your foot in front of the other foot and this comparison is really hard number two are you never content in life are you never content there's a difference between being complacent and content complacent means I like it's actually pride. I'm I'm I am who I am, and I don't care, and I won't change. Content is I am satisfied in the Lord, in this stage of my life. I'm satisfied in the Lord. Contentment is a really desired thing. Here's the third thing: Do you need to accept the forgiveness of God over your life? He doesn't compare your past to your present. You need to know this. God never compares His children. Sometimes when I'm meditating on the Lord, I will meditate on Him in a way that. Like if I were in heaven, he's the type of father that my picture would be on his fridge. I would, he would have a picture of me in his wallet. It's a very personalized approach, I know. But it's the same for you. He doesn't compare his kids. He doesn't go, Preston, why aren't you as good as Lisa? She'll always be better than me. Why aren't you as good as Lisa, right? He doesn't do this. Why aren't you as good as, he, he's like calling me. Preston, run your race. I, I made you, you need to participate. So, can we stand together? I w- I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance, of us as a church turning away from comparison. But it's going to be up to you to um, be honest and vulnerable before the Lord. So, if you want to seek prayer for those things, you just go to the side. You can also take communion in the back as a way of remembering that Jesus actually ran his race. It's, I, I say this a lot. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew where he was going his entire life, and it was his joy because it got you, okay? So if you take communion to remember that, or we can stand in worship. Let me pray over us together. Father, I, I pray, forgive us as a church, as a people, as individuals, for always comparing ourselves to what we don't have, We always do this, Lord. And Father, thank you for still having an assignment set before us. I pray that clarity would come forward. I pray that, Lord, we would celebrate one another. We wouldn't put down the person who we feel like is doing better. We celebrate them, Lord. We're thankful for them. But Lord, we don't compare. We know you've called us. We run in our lane. So Father, if we've tripped up, if we've swapped lanes, graciously get us back tonight, I pray. Forgive us, Lord, we pray. Amen. Let's respond. Seek prayer on the side, take communion or worship together.